You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this Tuesday, November the 15th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come on in and stay a while, folks. It's an NFL Week 10 recap with your boy. Trey Larkins, I hope everyone had a great weekend like I did. I got a chance to witness the Green Bay Packers snap a five-game losing streak. So, yes, I'm wearing my Packers chain, my Packers hat tonight on the show. It feels good to be to get a win, man. It really, really does. It feels good to add a W in the win column for the Green Bay Packers. So, I'm going to talk about the Packers and Cowboys game here in a bit. Also, I'm going to talk about the Commanders beating the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Also, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're 2-7 and seven on the season. Mark Davis, the owner for the Las Vegas Raiders, he supports his head coach, John, Josh McDaniels. So the Raiders are going to keep Josh McDaniels for the foreseeable future in Las Vegas. Also, it's a possibility that I'm going to be bringing on my man, Mike Patton, he is the host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. We're going to preview the Titans-Packers matchup for Thursday night football on Amazon Prime Video. So a big-time game for two teams that's trying to make the playoffs in the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. So let's get into the Packers. 31 to 28 win over the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night at Lambeau Field in Green Bay for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, he went 27 of 46, threw for 265 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. CeeDee Lamb had a great game. He had 11 receptions for 150 receiving yards, two touchdowns. For the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he went 14 of 20, threw for 224 passing yards, 
three touchdowns, and Christian Watson had the best game of his young career so far. Four receptions, 107 receiving yards, three touchdowns. This game did go to overtime. It was a 31-28 win for the Packers. This was Mike McCarthy's return back to Lambeau Field where it all began. My first reaction to the Packers beating the Cowboys is everyone all week long doubted the Green Bay Packers. I told everyone that the Packers were going to beat the Cowboys. And the reason why the Packers were going to beat the Cowboys is because Aaron Rodgers owns the Dallas Cowboys. It's not Jerry Jones. It's not Mike McCarthy. It's not Ezekiel Elliott. It's not Dak Prescott. It is Aaron bleeping Rodgers. That's who owns Dallas Cowboys. And Aaron Rodgers has terrorized the Dallas Cowboys so many times in his career. And he is their kryptonite. We talk about teams who can't beat opposing players and players who can't beat opposing teams. Aaron Rodgers is the Dallas Cowboys kryptonite. And he got the Cowboys again. This time, it happened at Lambeau Field in a game where the Dallas Cowboys, they came into the matchup as the more superior football team. They came into the matchup as the football team that was playing better football and had a better record and top to bottom have a more complete roster than the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, despite being down 14 points going into the fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers rallied the Green Bay Packers and the Packers snapped a five-game losing streak. All week, I said that this is the matchup that the Packers need to get back on track. Because when you look at the other elite teams in the NFL, I don't think the Packers match up well with the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think the Packers match up well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Buffalo Bills because they score so many points. But I believe that the Packers match up well with the Cowboys because the Cowboys, when things are going right for the Cowboys, the Cowboys know how to mess things up. And in this matchup, the Cowboys had the running game going. They had the running game going with Tony Pollard. In this game, Tony Pollard, he had 22 carries, 115 rushing yards. He's averaged over five yards per carry in this matchup, one touchdown. Tony Pollard was having a great performance for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys had 159 rushing yards for the game. And right on cue, when something is going right for the Cowboys, they go away from their strength. It happened in overtime. Overtime, the Cowboys, they got the ball on the first possession of overtime. They are driving. They are in Packer territory. And it's third and five. It's a pass play. So as a Packers fan, I was happy when they dropped that back to pass and put them in, was in a passing situation. I was happy. I was hoping that the Cowboys did not run the football with Tony Pollard. Because I knew we had struggled all afternoon long to stop Tony Pollard. So when I saw Dak drop back the pass, I said they are playing right into the hands of the Packers defense. Incomplete pass. Now, some people feel like that that was pass interference on Jair Alexander. They said he got there early. 
It was the pass was intended for CD Lamb. It was incomplete. And then the next play, the Cowboys, it was a passing play again for the Cowboys. And I was happy because I'm like, man, I thought they were going to run the football with it only being third and five. And then at four on fourth, then I knew they were going to pass. But like I said before the season, if we commit to the run, we will be good. We've been getting away from it when we get down, but we stuck with it. I'm gonna get to that here in a bit, David LA. I'm just I'm talking about the Cowboys right now because this was the, this was the Cowboys blunder as well. Our Packers showed up and showed resilience, but you can't have a major comeback without a major collapse. So the Cowboys on third and five, I was praying they ain't run the football because I felt like if they ran the football, they would have picked up the first down. But I believe Mike McCarthy's ego got in the way of the Cowboys and they decided to throw the football. They had the Packers on the ropes in the running game. The Cowboys in this game had 159 rushing yards. So the Packers couldn't stop the run. And they were struggling all afternoon long with Tony Pollard. I believe if Ezekiel Elliott was playing in this game, the Cowboys would have ran the football on third and five in overtime. They decided to pass. I was so happy when they decided to pass because we had this. Say what everyone about the Packers. The Packers have great defensive backs. Rasul Douglas, he led the team last year in total interceptions. They got all pro Jair Alexander. This is without Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes is injured. Great possibility he's going to be out for the season. So the Packers have a great pass defense. The Packers' run defense is what struggles. So when they dropped that back to pass those on the third and fourth down, I was happy. I said, okay, this is an advantage Packers. And once the Packers got the stop on fourth down, I knew Aaron Rodgers was going to punch that Cowboys defense in the mouth and set the Packers up for a game-winning field goal. I, I knew it was going to happen. I said, oh, yeah, we got them right where we want them. And that's also why I want the Packers to actually play defense in overtime first. I don't think our offense, even though they did score 17 unanswered points, I don't think our offense is the type of offense that can go on 90 or 95-yard drives. So I knew if we put our defense on the field first and we get a stop, that our offense would have a short field in order to get in the field goal range. I don't think our offense is a high-powered offense like it once was where we can go on 80 and 90 play drives. We need short fields. It is a new era in Green Bay. We are not the passing attack that we once was with Greg Jennings, with Jordy Nelson, with Jermichael Finley, with Devontae Adams, with Randall Cobb. Those days are long gone. We got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield. And that leads me to the Packers offense and why I want to give a bunch of credit to Matt LaFleur. I want to give a round of applause tonight to Matt LaFleur because Matt LaFleur, despite the Packers going into the fourth quarter, trailing 28-14, to 14, Matt LaFleur stayed committed to the running game. The strength of the Green Bay Packers is not Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. The strength of the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's the strength of the Packers, even if you're trailing on the scoreboard. Stay committed to the running game, and Matt LaFleur finally stayed committed to the running game, and that helped 
the passing game come away with the walk-off victory. Aaron Rodgers only had 20 pass attempts on the night. When have you ever seen a Packers victory where Aaron Rodgers only throws 20 times in a game? It doesn't happen. It's a rare, and it was a rare in this matchup. The Packers head coach did a great job staying committed to the running game. Now, you did see in the fourth quarter, I believe, in regulation when the Packers had the ball, it was 28 apiece. The Packers had a, the, the football. They were in a position at that moment to kick a game-winning walk-off field goal, and it was, I believe it was third. It, it might have been four. I can't remember exactly what the play was. It might have been fourth down. It might have been third down. It was third and one. And Matt LaFleur decided to do play action, and you can see Aaron Rodgers was frustrated with Matt LaFleur because Aaron Rodgers wanted to stay committed to the running game. He knew what was working for the Green Bay Packers. In this game, the Packers had 207 rushing yards and 208 passing yards. That was a complete balanced attack against that Cowboys defense. And also for the Cowboys defensively, I don't know why the hell they have Micah Parsons sometimes out in coverage. Micah Parsons is one of the more premier pass rushers we have in the NFL. Why in the hell is Micah Parsons in pass coverage? If I was a Cowboys fan, I would be pissed. As a Packers fan, I love seeing Micah Parsons in pass coverage and not rushing the passer. I, lo I love seeing it because we know how big time Micah Parsons is. But in this game, A.J. Dillon, he had 13 carries, 65 rushing yards. He averaged over five yards per attempt. Aaron Jones had 24 carries, 138 rushing yards, averaged over 5.8 yards per carry, one touchdown. I love the touchdown that Aaron Jones had in the first half. It was a it was a salute to Marshawn Lynch when he had his end zone jump into the in, in, in the end zone. That celebration, I love seeing that. I love seeing him dive into the end zone the way that he did. So I'm looking at my comments. Yeah, I'm still going about it. It's an NFL Week 10 recap. That's my cousin on here. Go and follow my cousin, man. He's a big-time rapper here in the city, man. He's doing his thing with his music. Go on YouTube and follow everything John Linson and everything on Apple Music as well. I'm seeing all my comments. Do you see LaFleur getting rid of Rodgers? They butted heads this season mainly because of the failures in the offense. And cap-wise, they need to get rid of some great players. No, NFL quarterbacks who are elite are hard to come by. I don't want Aaron Rodgers to leave Green Bay, and I don't want Aaron Rodgers to retire. Yeah, I was pissed off with A-Rod last week. I called him out on the show. I was disappointed in A-Rod because when you call out your receivers on your team, you need to be accountable and go to the podium and be accountable when you throw three interceptions. But I still believe in Aaron Rodgers. I still believe Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. But we don't have the proper receiving core for Aaron Rodgers to put his talents on display. I still think Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is washed up. I think anybody who believes that Aaron Rodgers is washed up is ridiculous. You saw what just happened Sunday against the Cowboys when just one receiver stepped up. All it took was one reliable receiver to step up, and that reliable receiver was Christian Watson, who I also want to give a shout-out to. Christian Watson, four receptions, 107 receiving yards, three touchdowns, Christian Watson had his coming out party. This was his best.
performance of the season. And he gives the Packers offense a different element because Christian Watson can take the top off of opposing defenses. I, I, he, he reminds me of Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. He was the Packers receiver in previous years when Devontae Adams was in Green Bay and Alan Lazar over the last few years. M- MVS and Christian Watson are similar players. So I believe that helps the Packers offense because you've got to respect Watson's speed. His, uh, his speed is something that is serious that if you don't keep up with Christian Watson, he can get loose on you. I believe the first play of the year when the Packers had the football against the Minnesota Vikings week one, Watson go route, Aaron Rodgers put it perfectly in his hands, and Christian Watson dropped the football. I believe if he catches that pass, that gives him confidence, and the Packers' offense doesn't struggle the first nine weeks of the season the way that it has if Christian Watson catches that pass in week one. But great performance by the Packers. Great come-from-behind win by the Packers. This was a key stat for the Cowboys. The Cowboys, coming into going into the fourth quarter, when they have a 14-point lead or more, they are 195-0. So they had won all 195 games when they were leading by 14 or more going into the fourth quarter until – Christian Watson and Aaron Rodgers saved the Packers season. That was a season saver by Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson. Aaron Jones, too. Aaron Jones was sensational in this matchup. So, you know, I, I've been I, the last few weeks, I've been depressed. I, 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 it's been a struggle for me. It, it has been a struggle for me watching the Packers lose game after game after game. And Aaron Rodgers is right. When they lost to the Lions last week, Oh, it was an all-time low for me. It was rock bottom as a Packers fan. But they made up for it in a big-time way against the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, in his return back to Lambeau Field, comes up short, and Aaron Rodgers beats Mike McCarthy in his return back to Green Bay. Packers improved to 4-6. and six. Packers got the Titans Thursday night on Amazon Prime Video in Lambeau. Packers win that game. It's going to be a different vibe in here next Tuesday on the Wise Guy Sports Show. Y'all better hope the Packers don't, don't beat the Titans. Because we, if we beat the Titans, we real out two in a row. Oh, the way we've been struggling, as, as bad as it's been, everybody writing off the Green Bay Packers, don't let Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. And it's a winnable game. It's a winnable game Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill is not an elite quarterback. I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is an elite running back, but if you can slow down Derrick Henry, you can slow down that Titans offense. So that's a wonderful game for the Packers. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to recap the Vikings come from behind win over the Buffalo Bills. Sunday in Buffalo. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. 
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Real quick, before I transition to the Vikings' epic come-from-behind win over the Buffalo Bills, I want to finish up on this Cowboys-Packers recap real quick. As I want to give some credit to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers did have a bounce-back performance against the Dallas Cowboys. You look at Aaron Rodgers in his performance against the Detroit Lions in Week 9. He went 22 of 43. He had 291 passing yards, averaged 6.8 yards per pass attempt. His touchdown-interception ratio was 1 to 3. Yesterday against the Cowboys, he went 14 of 20. He threw for 224 passing yards, averaged 11.2 passing yards per attempt, and his passing touchdowns to interception ratio was three touchdowns to zero interceptions. But also, I thought Aaron Rodgers was patient in the offense for the Packers, and he allowed the running game to be the strength of the Packers in this matchup. He saw that the Packers had the advantage in the running game with Aaron Jones and with A.J. Dillon. So I love the fact that Aaron Rodgers accepted what the defense gave him, and we knew coming into the game that the Cowboys were terrible against the run. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL against the run. So I believe that Aaron Rodgers recognized early that the Packers had an advantage in a running game, and they produced at a high level with 207 rushing yards between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Also, Matt LaFleur, he had some comments in his press conference yesterday. He said that he's been at the stadium since before the game Sunday. So Matt LaFleur, after the game against the Cowboys, he didn't go home. He stayed and slept at the stadium Sunday night and into Monday afternoon because he knows the Packers are trying to prepare for the Tennessee Titans a quick turnaround Thursday night at Lambeau. This is Matt LaFleur. He said, quote, it's a challenge, but every team has it. It's a good thing I've got a couch in my office. So that was Matt LaFleur responding to reporters about the short week, quick turnaround for the Packers because we got to have this win. We got, we got to have this win against the Tennessee Titans on Thursday because right now the Packers, they are ninth in the NFC. Right now in the NFC is Eagles at the one seed, Vikings with the two seed, Seahawks with the three seed, four seed, Bucks, fifth seed, Giants, sixth seed, Cowboys, seventh seed, 49ers, the, the top seven teams get into the postseason, and the Commanders are the eighth seed in the NFC. They have the tiebreaker over the Packers, and the Packers are ninth. So if the Packers want to keep pace with the Niners, with the Commanders, they got to beat the Titans 
Thursday night at Lambeau. And you look at the rest of the schedule for the Packers. Week 12, they're at Philadelphia. That's a loss. The way the Eagles are playing compared to the way the Packers are currently playing, that's a game the Packers will probably lose. But then week 13, they are in Chicago. That's a game the Packers should win. They have their bye week 14. Week 15, they're home against the Rams. Cooper Cup is out right now for the L.A. Rams, probably going to be at least a month, maybe longer, depending on how the Rams perform in his absence. Because by the time Cooper Cup returns back to the field, the Rams may be eliminated from playoff contention. That's week 15. Week 16, they are in Miami against the Dolphins. That's a potential loss. The Dolphins will be favored in that game. Week 17, they are home against the Vikings. That's a game they must win to have an opportunity or a chance to make the playoffs. And then week 18, they are home against the Lions. So seven games left for the Packers. They have to – the Titans, Eagles, Dolphins, and Vikings games, that's four games the Packers got to at least win three of those four. They'll beat the Lions in week 18. They'll beat the Bears week 13. And they'll beat the Rams in week 15. But they got to beat the Vikings, Dolphins, Eagles, and Titans. They got to win at least three out of those four. At least have a chance at the playoffs to me. They got, they got to do it. If they finish 9-8, and eight, maybe even 10-7, and seven, they give themselves a chance to, to make the playoffs. You got seven games left, four and six in the NFC. You got to win at least five of those next seven, including this game against the Titans. This is a must win because the Titans, they are, they are not on the level that the Eagles or the Dolphins are on right now. They're just not. That's a game that the Packers should win and take care of business Thursday night in Lambeau. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the Vikings come from behind win over the Bills. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to a matchup in Buffalo. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Buffalo Bills 33-30 to in overtime for their seventh straight win. The Vikings trailed by 17 points in this game at one point. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, he went 30 of 50. He threw for 357 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the NFL, he had 10 receptions, 193 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the Bills, Josh Allen went 29 of 43, threw for 330 passing yards. One touchdown, two interceptions. And Stephon Diggs had a great game as well. He had 12 receptions for 128 
receiving yards. So, as I watched this game unfold in the 1 o'clock window, this game came on right before the Cowboys-Packers game Sunday afternoon. As I watched this game, my biggest takeaway from this game is Josh Allen is no longer in the NFL MVP conversation. It's over as of right now heading into week 11. He's no longer a part of the NFL MVP conversation because the Buffalo Bills, this is their third loss on the season, and all three of their losses has been because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you look at what he did in the first three quarters of the game compared to what he did in the fourth quarter in overtime. This is in the first three quarters of the game. Josh Allen, he completed 76% of his passes. His average yards per pass attempt was 8.6. He had one touchdown, zero turnovers. That was in the first three quarters of the game. This was in the fourth quarter in overtime. His completion percentage was 56%. His yards per pass attempt was 6.4. He had no touchdown passes, three turnovers. His passer rating was 35.4. He also fumbled in the end zone. Josh Allen has the most interceptions thrown this season. He's thrown 10 interceptions. That's more than David Mills, who has nine interceptions. That's more than Matt Ryan, who also has nine interceptions. And also, Josh Allen has the most interceptions and fumbles this season with 18. Only Matt Ryan and Justin Fields has more. There's more stats. Most red zone interceptions and fumbles this season. Josh Allen has six. No one else has five or four. So Josh Allen is officially out of the MVP conversation. Tua is playing better than Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, despite losing to Josh Allen, is playing better than Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts is playing better than Josh Allen. I know that the Eagles lost last night and their undefeated season is over, but that loss last night wasn't on Jalen Hurts. So the Buffalo Bills have a problem at quarterback and their star quarterback can't protect the football. And in late game situations, he's not making the necessary plays for the Buffalo Bills to win football games. In this matchup, the Bills going into halftime, the Bills were beating the Vikings 24 to 10. They got out to a 17-point lead at one point in this game, and you couldn't close that deal against Kirk Cousins? This ain't Aaron Rodgers. This ain't Patrick Mahomes. This ain't Tua Tagovailoa. This ain't Tom Brady. This is Kirk Cousins. And Josh Allen, he is responsible for the Buffalo Bills losing this game. He's turned the ball over way too many times 
in the Bills' three losses this season. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the Jets a few weeks ago. And in both of those games, Josh Allen had multiple turnovers. And when I look at this Bills' offense overall as a whole, the biggest issue with the Buffalo Bills, they don't know how to hit singles or doubles. It's either a home run or strikeouts for the Buffalo Bills offensively. And that's the biggest issue with the Buffalo Bills right now. Josh Allen is their entire offense. He's leading them in, you know, obviously passing yards, passing touchdowns, but he's leading them in rushing yards as well. That's an issue for the Buffalo Bills. This is why the Buffalo Bills were trying to trade for Christian McCaffrey. There reports before the trading deadline that the Bills were interested in Christian McCaffrey. And I see why now. Because their offense is so dependent on Josh Allen. And the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, they also need to do a better job of establishing the running game with Singletary. If the Buffalo Bills are going to be true Super Bowl contenders, they need to establish a running game with Singletary. You can't just drop Josh Allen back to pass over 40 times per game and expect to win football games. You have to have a balanced attack. You got to have a balanced attack. Like in this matchup, they did have 175 rushing yards, but Josh Allen had 84 of those 175 rushing yards. You need to establish the running game with Devin Singletary, with James Cook, so that can open up the passing game and the passing game be easier for Josh Allen. Because I think the Buffalo Bills offensively are predictable. They're predictable. The, the Buffalo Bills are the L.A. Rams of the AFC. They, the Rams, they, they're one-dimensional. They don't have a running game to speak of. Same thing with the, the Buffalo Bills. They have no running game to speak of. They just are more talented than the L.A. Rams are with Stephon Diggs, with Gabe Davis, with Dawson Knox. Josh Allen has a strong arm. He's more talented than Matthew Stafford is. But I think the Buffalo Bills are similar to the L.A. Rams in a lot of ways. They're a one-dimensional football team. And again, you look at their stats, you, you look at the stats, you're going to say, oh, well, Trey, they're ranked 10th in total rushing yards per game. That's because of Josh Allen. It's not because of their great rushing attack. I look at the best rushing attacks in the NFL. I look at the Packers with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I look at the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry alone. I look at the 49ers with Christian McCaffrey, with Jeff Wilson. The Buffalo Bills, they don't have an average rushing attack, let alone an elite rushing attack. So I think that's the biggest issue with the Buffalo Bills overall. They got a lot depending on Josh Allen. And again, Josh Allen just hasn't protected the football like he is required to do. I witnessed Patrick Mahomes last week on Sunday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans. Patrick Mahomes had over 60 pass attempts in that game. And guess what? Patrick Mahomes put on an MVP caliber performance. In that matchup against the Tennessee Titans, for Patrick Mahomes, he went 43 of 68, 446 passing yards, 
one touchdown. He did have one interception, but that shows you that there's levels to this. That's why I told everyone last week, stop comparing Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes. He is not on Patrick Mahomes level yet. He's not. He has tremendous talent, but he's not on Patrick Mahomes level yet. And then one more thing I want to say, too, about the Buffalo Bills overall as a team. For whatever reason, the media is hyping up this Buffalo Bills team. The media wants the Bills in the Super Bowl. And I'm not sold yet. I believe right now the Chiefs are playing better than the Bills are. The Dolphins are playing better than the Bills are. In the NFC, the Eagles are playing better than the Bills are. The Vikings, obviously, are playing better than the Bills are. And everyone overlooked the Bengals. And I'm going to say this in support of the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year, because of Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills' performance against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, because of that great game that we watched, and it was great, Patrick Mahomes throwing touchdown passes, Josh Allen throwing touchdown passes. Now, everyone coming into the season, they believe that the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC was the Buffalo Bills. They have overlooked teams like the Bengals, like the Ravens, like the Dolphins. The Buffalo Bills are not a superior football team over the Dolphins, Chiefs, Ravens, Bengals. They are all on the same level. As a matter of fact, the Chiefs are probably, the Chiefs and Dolphins are probably a level above everyone else right now in the AFC. They are. They're playing some, the Dolphins are playing some great football. Tua Tagovailoa is an MVP candidate. Again, I don't like the Buffalo Bills hype. They, right now, in their division alone, they are third in the AFC East. They're behind the Jets and the Dolphins. They lost both games to the Jets and the Dolphins. So, not only do I believe the Bills are the best team in the AFC, I'm not sure the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC East. I'm not sure the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC East right now. Not with the way that they're currently playing. Now, I want to say this about the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are playing some great football. I got to give it up. Even though I cannot stand the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings are playing some great football. Uh, you got to call it what it is. They're, they're playing some tremendous football. And for them to overcome a 17-point deficit, it shows the type of football team that they have. 8-1 in the NFC, number one at the top of the NFC North standings. They're going to win the NFC North. I've been trying to talk myself into believing that maybe Kirk Cousins will fall off and the Vikings will choke away this lead that they have over the Packers in the NFC North but it's a great chance that the Vikings are going to win the NFC North. This performance solidified it right here. This was it. This was the game where I said, okay, Bills beat the Vikings. Vikings lose a few games in a row. Packers win a couple games in a row. And the Week 17 matchup between the Vikings and Packers at Lambeau Field could determine who wins the NFC North. It won't, it, it, it won't, it won't be a game that's going to determine the NFC North. It's going to determine whether or not the Packers make the playoffs but not whether or not the Packers can win the NFC North. So I got to give credit to 
Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell. He's done an outstanding job with Kirk Cousins this year. He really has Kirk Cousins playing some good football so far this season. And for them to overcome a 17-point deficit and win this game says a lot about their football team overall. Kirk Cousins for the season, 14 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 2,356 passing yards. He's completing 64% of his passes this year. I don't believe Kirk Cousins is elite, like Mahomes, like Justin Herbert, like Joe Burrow, like Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson. I don't think Kirk Cousins is that good. But can you win games with Kirk Cousins? Absolutely. They got so many weapons offensively. They got Dalvin Cook in the backfield. They got Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the NFL. They got Adam Thielen, who I believe is the second best receiver in the NFL on his team. When you look at number twos in the NFL, I believe Adam Thielen is the best number two you could possibly have. Defensively, you got Smith. You got Harrison Smith as well in your back end. Vikings are they're, they're a good football team. They really, really are. And that catch by Justin Jefferson, catch of the year. Best catch of the year by far. And it was better than Odell's catch. And the reason why I say that is the situation. If Justin Jefferson doesn't catch that football, the Vikings don't win this game. That catch that Odell had against the Cowboys, that was in the first quarter, I believe. And the Cowboys still ended up winning that game. So I, I believe that was the catch of the year by Justin Jefferson. So again, the Vikings are playing some tremendous football. I do believe they need to establish the running game more with Dalvin Cook. But besides that, they play some great football, eight and one and second right now in the NFC standings. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show the follow Wise Guys. Instagram at these guys no sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to do my wise or lies segment of the day. I'll be right back. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wise guys underscore it's also on facebook wise guys let me sure to follow wise guys on instagram at these guys know sports let's get to our wiser last segment of the day the fastest segment on the wise guys sports show let's go to la as the los angeles rams wide receiver cooper cup reportedly suffered a high ankle sprain in sunday's loss to the arizona cardinals according to espn's adam schefter a timeline for his recovery has not yet been reported, but Schefter's sources added that the prognosis doesn't look good. So is it wise or last to say the Rams season is officially over? That is wise. The L.A. Rams season is over. Shout out to the L.A. Rams for winning the Super Bowl last year, but the celebration is over. Their season is over. Three and six going into week 11. They are not a good football team. Matthew Stafford didn't play in this loss to the Arizona Cardinals. 
It probably wouldn't have mattered even if he did play because they've been awful over the last few weeks. They're not a good football team overall. They're one-dimensional. It's Cooper Cup or Bus, And then now that they're not going to have Cooper Cup, where are they going to look to for offense? So I think their season is officially over. Philadelphia 76ers superstar Joel Embiid put on one of the greatest individual performances in regular season history on Sunday night, dropping 59 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and 7 blocks in a 105-98 to victory over the Utah Jazz. Embiid is the first player to put up such an elaborate stat line in a contest, lower the threshold of 50 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks. And he's still the only person to accomplish the feat. Remove the assists altogether, he's still only matched by Bob McAdoo and David Robinson, according to 20's first group, Justin Ray. So is it wise or last to say Joel Embiid is the best big man in the game? I believe that is wise, and he's playing like the best big man in the game this season. I know last year, Nikola Jokic won NBA MVP. Joe Embiid came in second place. He was the runner-up last year and got a lot of votes from media members to be the MVP. Didn't, didn't work out for him. But I believe right now, Joe Embiid is the best big man in the game. It's not Anthony Davis. It's not Nikola Jokic. I don't even consider Giannis a big man. Giannis does a little bit of everything. Plays all positions. But I believe right now, Joe Embiid, is the best big man in the game. And Doc Rivers, the head coach for the Sixers, he has to do a better job of getting Joe Embiid the basketball. I mean, now that James Harden's been out for a few games, we are seeing Joe Embiid get the opportunities to be the number one option and get a lot of those shots. You look at his stats for the season, he's averaging 32 points per game on 54% shooting from the floor, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. I believe Joe Embiid is the best big man in the game, and I believe Doc Rivers needs to put together a game plan so he can feature his big man more in the Sixers' offense. Their offense should run through Joel Embiid. He is their best player. James Harden is no longer in his prime. This is Joel Embiid's basketball team. So, yes, I believe that he is the best big man in the game. Everybody go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore weights, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise Guys, Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys, These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. These guys know I want to welcome to the show tonight, podcast host of the Touring the AFC South, my man Mike Pat. What's up, Mike? What's going on? How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? How you doing this evening? Man, doing great, man. Another day living, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Let's get right to it, Mike. You know I'm a big-time Packers fan, so we got the Tennessee Titans Thursday night in Green Bay. The Titans are 6-3 and three on the season. They are fresh off a win over the Denver Broncos. They are in Green Bay against the 4-6 and six Green Bay Packers. So talk about your expectations 
for this matchup between the Titans and the Packers, Mike? Well, if it's any indication of what last uh, the last game the Packers had and the, the whole season for the Tennessee Titans, it's going to be a lot of running the football. If that's going to be the case, it's going to be a pretty quick game. Uh, it's not going to be on Thursday long for people who don't like Thursday night football. So I expect a lot of running the football. It just depends on which quarterback can make a play and, you know, Aaron Rodgers can make plays. We know Ryan Tannehill is, can make plays. He can make plays for the other team as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, look at the performance last week for the Tennessee Titans. They beat the Denver Broncos 17-10. to 10. At the half, the Titans were trailing the Broncos 10-7. to 7. And in the second half, Tannehill got it going. Mike, he got it going. He had a touchdown pass to, to Westbrook. They were able to kick a field goal as, as well in the fourth quarter. But we know the strength of the Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry. So how important is it? In this matchup against Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau, how important is it for Ryan Tannehill to get into a rhythm early so the Titans can have an opportunity to possibly pull off the upset? I don't know if I necessarily call it an upset when you call the come to the Titans and the, and the Packers, but I totally get it in terms of you know the, the ambiance of Lambeau Field. It's important for him to catch a rhythm up front, top in the game, uh, because the more he catches the rhythm, the more it's going to be harder teams to continue to stack the box against Derrick Henry. Yeah. Now, Derrick Henry, uh, the one thing they've done a little bit more this year, which is kind of atypical of them, is they've got him the ball in the passing game, too, like short passing game with screens and things like that. And he's actually caught the ball at the back foot more than he has in his entire career this year. So the passing game definitely is going to be needed. But I will say this. Ty Downing has got to be more imaginative getting his wide receivers open, too, because they have the least separation of any receivers in the NFL. So that's going to be huge in terms of, you know, being effective in the passing game. Yeah, and the reason why I say it will be an upset, Mike, is because Vegas already has the odds out for this game, and my mm-hmm. beloved Packers are the favorite. I know the <laughs> Titans have a better record, Mike, but the Packers are actually favored in this game. But, again, I know how dynamic that rushing attack is with Derrick Henry. But when it comes to their receivers, they got Robert Woods. They got Cody Hollister. They got Nick Westbrook. Westbrook had a touchdown reception in the week 10. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two touchdown catches in the week 10 win over the Denver Broncos. Who do you believe is Tannehill's go-to receiver in clutch moments for the Titans, is it is it Westbrook or is it Robert Woods, the veteran? It's none of them. It's who it's whoever is open because <laughs> it's been Austin Hooper, it's been Chega Kwaku, it's yeah. been any of them. I mean, if you, if you saw that game on Sunday, I mean Chega Kwaku had a big forty what forty one yard catch and run when he caught it across the middle and it got it ran through a hit. Yeah, kept going. Now, if I'm the Titans, I get that guy the ball more because he's been dynamic two weeks in a row against Kansas City and against the Denver Broncos, but. You know, to answer your question, no, there's not one guy he's looking for. He's going to throw it to the open guy. He said this uh, numerous times himself, actually. He's just going to get it to the open guy. Now, the Titans are led by defensive coordinator Shane Bowen. And you look at their statistics for the year. You know, they, they give up 380 total yards per game. That's right, 25th. But they're good against the run, Mike. They only give up 85 rushing yards per game. And they – but against the pass, they struggle. They give up 272 passing yards per game. Who do you believe is the X factor for this Titans defense? Everyone talks about Jeffrey Simmons, and I know he's a big deal. Big Jeff is what they call him down here. But the thing is, 
Danico Autry is the guy. Danico Autry is the guy, and he always will be the the other guy that nobody ever talks about. He is the guy that actually has been even more effective this year. So that is going to be the X factor because the thing is with the Titans and in the past game, they're not they're not exactly great in the back end. They are they are at safety with Kevin Byard. But yeah. after Kevin Byard, you know, Monty Hooker may not play either, which he's uh, a guy that guards tight ends very well. Um, but other than that, they're a bunch of young guys. So they're not very, ta- very, uh, I would say, very equipped in terms of that. So the front four is going to have to be critical, and Danico Autry is definitely a leader up front. Honestly, looking at this matchup, Mike, the, this is a matchup between two teams who have very unproven receiving cores. So I agree. I think it's going to come down to which team can run the football because the Packers show that they can run the football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in their week 10 win over the Dallas Cowboys Sunday. So I agree with you, man. It's going to come down to which team can establish a running game. We know Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best. And then Aaron Jones, he's elusive. A.J. Dillon is a power running back. Do you believe this game is just going to ultimately come down to which offense can establish an elite rushing attack definitely it's going to come down to that and it's also going to come down to uh which tight ends show up too in my opinion because uh you know i think the tight ends will be the 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 guys that are actually get open as opposed to the actual wide receivers more so you got the tight ends being x factors okay now when you look at the afc i hear people talking about the buffalo bills and josh allen i hear people talking about Tua Tagovailoa. And the Miami Dolphins. I hear people talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, even Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. No one's talking about Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Do you believe that Mike Vrabel and his football team, do you believe that they kind of like the fact that they are the underdogs and under the radar in the AFC? Man, they enjoy it because, I mean, even last year, no one believed in them. So they kind of they, they relish in this role. They've always relished in this role as the Titans when they're playing good. Looking at them, do I think they're a top team in the AFC? Probably not. But then again, this is the same team that a couple years ago or a few years ago when Ryan Tannehill just got thrust into the starting lineup over Marcus Mariota, made a, a, a run to the AFC title game that no one ever saw coming. And this yeah. team has kind of, you know, reminds me of that team, actually, when you look at them. Yeah, for sure. I think they are a lot, Mike, to win the AFC South. We know the Colts. Oh, are they a- are, definitely. Yeah, they'll win the AFC South, so there'll be a playoff team. The Colts are a mess. I-, I like Jeff Saturday. I like the fact that he won his first game, albeit against the Raiders. They are a mess, too. But I think they're going to win the AFC South. It's just going to come down to can they compete against those other elite teams in the AFC the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Ravens. I love the rushing attack with Derrick Henry, but they got it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down to Ryan Tannehill because these other quarterbacks in the AFC, Mike, you got Tagovailoa. He's having an MVP season. You got Patrick Mahomes. He has an MVP on his resume. He's having an MVP season. They got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. There's so many quarterbacks that I would take over Ryan Tannehill, but I think in order for the Titans to get where they want to get to, it's going to come down to Tannehill. Do you agree with that? Uh, eventually, he's going to have to make some plays. I, I totally agree there. Um, but, you know, this team is kind of atypical of where football is today. Football is more of a game that, you know, throws it in the air, gets down the field, 
Yeah. They're they're a throwback team and they're comfortable in their own skin being a throwback team. But I do agree that Ryan Tannehill is going to have to make some plays for them to win and win big. I definitely agree. So they are six and three right now. They're first mm-hmm. in the AFC South. What do you have their record being at the end of the season? Well, actually, before the season, I had them winning 10 games. I had them at 10 and 7. So I'm going to stick with my 10 and 7 prediction for right now. Uh, I mean, they could go 11 and 6, uh, but, you know, I, I'll stick with the 10 and 7 prediction. They play in the AFC West this year, correct? Right. And they've, uh, let's see, they've played the Chiefs already. They played the Broncos. They played yep. the Raiders. And now they only have left the Chargers. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've seen. And you all, I think they're also playing the, NFC East. They have the Cowboys and the Eagles left. Yep. And then they also have uh they also have the Bengals to left in the season too. Yeah, you know I'm here in Cincinnati, so a lot of Bengal fans, they're looking at that game, Mike, and they they are circling that game as a win for the Bengals. They just they just pretty much they just saying, "Oh, we're more talented than the Titans are. We beat the Titans last year in the playoffs. We're going we're going to mm-hmm. get the Titans." It's always fun. They, they they uh the thing is what everyone forgets is the Titans relish in the role where no one thinks they can win. I mean, you saw how well they played in terms of, you know, staying in the game with the Kansas City Chiefs. They almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They did. But the thing is, they they play in those type of games where no one believes they can win. They always come out and and, and play, you know, and it, a lot of times often win those games. Mike Patton is joining Wise Guys tonight. He is the host of the AFC South podcast. Mike, before I let you go, Give me a prediction in a, in, a, in, a, in a score. What you got in this matchup? Packers, Titans at Lambeau. All right. I've got 20 to 17. I've got the Titans winning uh, 20 to 17 or 24 20, somewhere in that range. It's about a three or four point spread. I hope you're wrong, Mike. <laughs> I respect your opinion, man. Go, let everybody know where they can find Twitter you. at Mike Patton82. That's M I K E P A T O N 82. And of course, you can find me on Torn AFC South on all your listening platforms. He's Mike Patton, the host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. I appreciate you joining me tonight, Mike. I appreciate you coming in and and talking some football with me. I'm going to definitely bring you on later on in in the season before we get to the playoffs and talk some more football with you, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just let me know. That's Mike Patton of Touring the AFC South podcast. He uh, does a great job covering the Tennessee Titans. So go go and follow Mike Patton on all social media platforms. He he does a great job with his podcast and and breaking down the AFC South. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Wage. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys. No sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to recap the Commanders 32 to 21 win over the Philadelphia Eagles, ending the Philadelphia Eagles undefeated season. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. These guys know. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody, remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter 
at Wise Guys underscore weight. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Let's transition to the Commanders and the Eagles as the Commanders beat the Philadelphia Eagles 32 to 21 at Lincoln Financial Field for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, he went 17 of 26, threw for 175 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. For the Commanders, Taylor Heineke went 17 of 29. He threw for 211 passing yards, one interception. McLaurin, the receiver for the Commanders, had eight receptions for 128 receiving yards. So everyone's talking about should the Philadelphia Eagles be concerned after their disappointing loss to the Commanders? I say they should not be concerned. But the Philadelphia Eagles have to understand that if they want to be a contender, not only in the NFC, but NFL overall, they have to protect the football. Now, in this, ga- in, in this game, the Eagles, they had more turnovers than what they had in the first eight games combined. In the first eight games of the season, the Eagles had three turnovers. In this game, they had four. And in order for them to be a Super Bowl contender, they have to protect the football. Now, I thought Jalen Hurts played a pretty good game. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, 175 passing yards. He went 17 of 26, two touchdowns, one pick. But that fumble that Watkins and their tight end Dallas Goddard had was not Jalen Hurts' fault. Those are two plays that were key pivotal plays in this game for the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought the Eagles were going to take control of this football game and show why they are the best team in the NFC East and in the NFC overall like they've played in the first nine games of the season. And that just did not happen, and it was because of the turnovers. The Commanders did a great job at forcing turnovers against this Eagles offense. Also, the Commanders offensively, they had 330 total yards in this game. They had a balanced attack. They had 152 rushing yards. 178 passing yards, and Tyler Taylor Heineke is playing some very, very good football. I don't think he's elite, but he's playing some good football, and I believe he is a leader in that commander's locker room. I don't believe Carson Wentz is a leader, and I like the way that the commanders respond to Taylor Heineke. They really play hard for their young quarterback, and I think he gets a better response from this football team than Carson Wentz does. I don't think Carson Wentz is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think that the reason why you see the commanders playing as good as they are currently playing is because of their leadership in Heineke. Now, again, Heineke's not elite. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. But I believe that he is a leader of men at the quarterback position, and he's helping them thrive overall. Ron Rivera should keep Heineke as his starting quarterback this week against the Houston Texans. Now, he said today that the decision is up in the air. He hasn't made a decision on who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. But I believe it has to be Taylor Heineke. Until he shows that he can't lead this football team anymore and they're not rallying behind him, I believe he should get the starting job and the starting nod at quarterback until further notice. But Again, for the Philadelphia Eagles, I still think the Eagles are 
one of the premier teams in the NFC, one of the best teams in the NFL. But for the first nine games of the season, they were great at forcing teams to turn the football over. And in this matchup, the commanders won the turnover battle. And that was the biggest difference in the game overall. For the Eagles, you got to be able to play some defense and play some good offense when your team is not forcing turnovers. We know defensively they got Brandon Graham up front. They got Fletcher Cox. They got Robert Quinn, who they traded with Chicago with earlier in, in during the season. In the back end, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They got big play Slay, Darius Slay as well. So we know this Eagles has some playmakers defensively, but they weren't able to force turnovers in this game. Now, Heineke did have an interception. He threw an interception in this game. C.J. Gardner-Johnson got another interception. Every week it, looked, it seems like C.J. Gardner-Johnson is making a play. But I thought, again, that the commanders, they came out with intensity. Everyone counted out the commanders. Everyone did, including myself. Everyone said that the Eagles were going to roll over the commanders and improve to 9-0 on the season, and the commanders weren't having it. They weren't having it. They showed up. This is the NFC East battle. So we know the division games are tough games for elite teams, and the commanders brought their A game. They were ready to play against the Philadelphia Eagles last night, and it showed. It definitely, definitely showed. And, again, I like the job that Ron Rivera is doing leading this football team. I like the receiver in McLaurin. At running back, they got Gibson, who also helps out. Gibson had 14 carries for 44 yards, one touchdown. Brian Robinson had 26 carries for 54 rushing yards, one touchdown. It was reported earlier today that the commanders are going to get back defensive end Chase Young. So Chase Young is going to help these commanders defense as well. They are a sleeper. They are the eighth seed in the NFC right now. So you never know. If they keep winning games, they could creep up into the playoff picture. And you look at the NFC East right now. The Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, and Giants are all possible playoff teams in the NFC East. We thought the AFC West was going to be the best division in the NFL. No, it is the NFC East. So shout out to Ron Rivera, shout out to Taylor Heineke, and shout out to the Commanders for ending the Philadelphia Eagles undefeated season. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget, Thursday night show, I'm going to preview the Titans-Packers matchup again. And I'm also going to give my NFL Week 11 Wise Picks on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'm Trey Larkin signing off. Have a great, great night. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys no sports. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.